because this is season two of Capital Land Cafe, a show where the stalwarts in the real estate industry do all the talking. My name is Huda and if you could see me right now, you'd see that I'm jumping in my seat with excitement because the second season of Capital Land Cafe has just begun and this is the second episode and I've got Jonathan Yap, CEO, Fund Management, Capital Land Investment. Welcome to the show, Jonathan. Thank you, Huda. I must say I really like your enthusiasm and excitement. It's just so, wow, you know, great. Thank you. It's because you're on the show. Ah, so nice of you. Likewise, yes. <laughs> also, I get paid for it a little bit. So I, I need to I go into the show. <laughs> <laughs> I like that honesty. <laughs> All right, Jonathan, straight to our first question. Now, you've been in the industry for about 30 years. You started with a government job. Uh, you moved to a small real estate firm and then to a bigger one. And then you moved across countries. And somewhere in the middle of all this, you almost became a radio presenter. Tell us about your journey. It sounds extremely exciting. Uh, sure. Uh, as I always shared with uh, people who ask me for career advice or opinion, I always said it is important you do what you like and what you want in the long term. And that will drive, in a way, your happiness at work. And and from very young age, I know that I, 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 I want to be a generalist as opposed to be a specialist. And so by definition, generalist means you're going to be jack of all trade and hopefully expert in a few areas. So from day one, when I left school, when I, when I chose what I studied in school, I, I was very mindful that was the path that would make me happy. So, you know, being a real estate trained professional and as an industry, I want to stay on. So therefore, as a result, uh, I kind of like chill, make career choices along the way um, in that line. So when I left school, I thought valuation was was important because it drives all investment decision, it drives all real estate decision. So I picked up a job with the government of Singapore uh, with the property tax department as a property valuer. Look at property taxation as well as capital valuation. So that gave me a foundation, but I know I'm not cut out for a government uh, job. So I left that after a year, pretty much as originally planned. As you mentioned, joined a very small firm, uh, mainly because I wanted to have a bit of experience in several areas. So at a reckon at a point in time, had I chose to join, say, Capital Land, a major firm at a point in time, I probably end up being asked to be, special, to be a specialist. And that's not what I wanted. And true enough, so I spent time looking at, say, from budgets to, to be presented at the, at the board, uh, right down to really smallest issue, right down to security, doing spot checks at night on security guards. So it was a wide range, gave me exposure across corporate real estate management, property development, project management, property management, even right down to leasing of service apartments. So it was quite a varied uh, four years that I did that and that was wonderful. It really gave me exposure across the board. And that's where I felt I'm ready to kind of go on to a larger firm. So I joined a MNC, a Aussie MNC to basically uh, initially focus on business development. And that's where I also picked up uh, asset management uh, in a more detailed manner as well as fund management. I spent seven years there and in there um, gave me quite a fair bit of traveling within the region as well as a posting for two years in Australia, Sydney. 
uh, which was uh, already still is uh, my previous employer's uh, corporate HQ. So that obviously gave the exposure and as well as opened our eyes to how a more mature real estate economy would operate. And at that point, um, Ascendus approached me through a search firm for a position in India. And I, and I felt that, you know, I was ready to take a slightly different path in my career. I wanted to be really developing more of my general management skills. So I reckon going to India make a lot of sense. And at the point in time was to basically run ITPV, where the property you guys are in. Yes. Um, and it was uh, a JV among three parties, basically Singaporean parties, uh, as well as a local government and Tata. So it, clearly being a JV, you would expect it's going to be one of those things that you're going to really test your ability to manage stakeholders because every JV partner would think that they own you. So I, I reckon that would be a real test and real learning ground for general management skills. So I pick up the job, uh, much to the surprise of many people, especially my friends and including my own family. Um, so yes, that was a wonderful three years I spent in India, which then eventually uh, led to quite a few things. Uh, to creating new private fund, to running an India operation, and finally listing of Ascendus India Trust. And thereafter, I came back to Singapore with the listing of AI Trust. And subsequently, um, you know, you guys will know what I did after that. I essentially uh, grew the company uh, as we went through a few rounds of mergers, first with Ascendus and Sing, which formed Ascendus Sing Bridge, and subsequently the combination into a capital land. And that's something I also take the opportunity to leave a note with our fellow colleagues that um, we are indeed a company that we've got many opportunities. So there are many ways that you can grow and learn with the company. So, you know, please take the opportunity to do that. All right. So I think the key here is to be open-minded and to work towards building a generalist personality to be more hyphenated and not to just stick to one route. Totally. Somewhere in an interview earlier, you had said something very, very interesting. You had spoken about how you're not an accountant by training, but yet you became a CFO. How did that happen? Well, the short answer is because my then boss, Miguel Co asked me and I thought that sounds like an interesting idea. Um, you know, at a point, uh, I, I guess Miguel wanted a CFO uh, quite quickly and uh, hopefully someone who already knew the company. Um, so he asked me and I kind of pretty much decided on the sport. Um, I, obviously, I'm not an accountant and it was just quite coincidental that shortly after I said yes to Miguel, I happened to come across this article that says about 50% of US listed companies, the CFO are not accountant by training. And I guess CFO is a bit different from being financial controller. I, mean, I think CFO is a little bit broader. So I don't really necessarily think that just because conventionally people think that accountant uh, can be CFO, it doesn't mean a non-accountant can't be CFO. I think it goes back to the being open-mindedness. And likewise, our current CFO for Capital Land, uh, Andrew, I don't think he's accountant by training. I, I don't think I get it wrong. So it, it just shows that ultimately it's just about making sound financial decision. And it doesn't mean you have to be accountant to do that. Johnson just saying, I'm, I'm not an accountant by training either. Just saying. Yes. Just passing the message. <laughs> got it, got it. I, I'm sure Vince would hear this at some point too. Yes, and I've just provided. You know, the, Huda, the truth is this, right? I mean, you need to have the interest for it. So I, I really think that sometimes it's less important 
what you what the role is then be described as. Of course, I know the conventional wisdom would be that nine sounding role obviously uh, promise a lot of things that come with it. Yeah. But I, I really believe it. We owe it to ourselves to be happy at work. So it's always more important to choose something that you enjoy doing it. Yes, why not? Right. I think that's a very important message, especially for the generation of today. Uh, focus towards what you like. You're listening to Capital and Cafe in conversation with Jonathan Yap. You've lived across different countries, which means you were exposed to multiple cultures. So how did you deal with that? Yeah, I think cultures are just basic articulation of human thinking and behavior. Obviously, there are different cultures, different upbringing, make each of us different. But the truth is, bottom line, we're still human. We're still driven by motivation. We're still driven by what we believe in. So I really think it's more about just getting an understanding of the uniqueness of each of the country, each of the culture, and just put that into context. But ultimately, we are dealing with human. So I don't think human nature necessarily uh, changes drastically. Uh, obviously, the articulation may be a bit different and we need to be mindful and sensitive about it. But ultimately, we're still dealing with human nature. So that, I think, is probably what, what drives me. So, you know, like, like all things in life, you go to a new place, you need to make new friends. So perhaps you're in India, I go, I make new friends over a chai. I'm in Australia, I make new friends maybe over a beer. If I'm China, maybe over something else. So. There's just different means and just trying to understand the likes and dislikes, the do's and don't do's of the country. And, you know, just always remember we're just dealing with another human. Now, um, leadership, what's that like for you? Um, you know, I, I'm, I'm just pausing a little bit because sometimes people make, make leadership sound like such a grand thing. Uh, and the truth is leadership exists in all, all aspects of our life, right? Whether it's at home dealing with family situation, just that we probably use a different word to describe it. Um, and to me, ultimately, it's about making sure that we we do what makes sense to people. And you only have leaders if people want to follow you. And why do people want to follow you? It's because you can see the other people's perspective and therefore tell them this is what makes sense for them from their perspective. So to me, leadership is important in the sense you need to understand who you're trying to lead their perspective and therefore try to put things that you want them to do because it's important for the company in relation to their perspective. And therefore, you start from where it all started, the people that you have to work with. I think that's very interesting, especially what you spoke about. Leadership exists in all facets of our life. It's where you want to use it. You spoke about knowing what you want to do. So I want to go back to that and ask you my next question. From choosing this particular career path for yourself and choosing the exact subjects you wanted to study to even leading the listing of the award-winning AI Trust on the Singapore Exchange. These are all crucial decisions. How do you come about the entire decision-making process? You make that sound easy, but uh, we know it's not. So how do you go about this process? Um... I don't know. I mean, I have friends who, who lay down pros and cons when they make uh, decisions like this. I, I just go down by, what if I don't say yes to something? Of course, you can think in, in multiple ways. What if I say yes? What if I say no? But I always go by, what if I say no to something? Would I have a sense of regret? If I think I'll have a sense of regret, if I say no to something, I will just try out. And, and that's the sense I developed. Um, I mean, that's the sense I had when, when the India posting came about was just, 
What if I say no to India posting? It was easy to say no to India posting. I, I was in a nice job uh, that's predictable with colleagues that I like. Um, you know, the timelines were very, very um, stable. And therefore, as a result, uh, my wife and I were able to take frequent holidays uh, during period where things are a little bit slower. But I just knew that it was always going to be something that would bug me years later if I said no to that opportunity. And therefore, I say yes to the Indian posting. So I, I suppose each of us will have a slightly different way of trying to ascertain how we want to make decision. And I guess bottom line is you just will decide what is important to you and use that as a key criteria. And for me, I just don't have a sense of regret. I, I absolutely uh, buy that. What if, I think, is the most crucial question to ask before everything. You're listening to Capital and Cafe in conversation with Jonathan Yap. We all know you're a workaholic. The question here is, a lot of us, uh, especially, you know, when we are starting our careers, we, we don't know when to say no. Do you still face this struggle? Um, firstly, I rather than workaholic, I'll just describe myself as I like what I do. It's just like when you play computer games. If you like computer games, you never say you are a computer game addict. You just say, I like, play, I like to play computer games. So I enjoy my work because it's doing something that I like and therefore as a result, I'll do more of that. So therefore, uh, yeah, I'll just say I'm responsible as opposed to a workaholic. Workaholic sounds like I can't control myself. I just can't help it. Sounds a bit wrong. Uh, <laughs> and when to say no, you have to decide. It's just like sometimes uh, you have deadlines. If it's not reasonable and it's not going to be realistic, you must well tell people up front that, look, it's going to be unrealistic deadline. Well, I'll try, but be ready. I'm not going to meet the deadline. And I, I think that that articulation up front is going to be helpful so that you give your counterparty or the other person reaction time and manage expectation too. When it's, when it's time to say no, I think just say in a manner that's factual so that it doesn't sound emotional. But yeah, at the same time, of course, give your best, give your best attempt to try to do what you do. But if something just doesn't make sense, it is better off to be upfront and honest about it than go along and later realize that, um, you know, your first instincts were indeed correct. And just that you didn't say it at a point in time. I think we pack in as much as we can in a day and maybe you're not really being efficient just because we're not saying no. My next question, 24 hours, do you think that's enough? You know, the truth is nobody will ever say you have enough of 24 hours, right? Like we we'll never say we have enough of money. We we'll never say we have enough of youth. We we'll never say we have enough of sleep. It's just a question of how do you make use of 24 hours? I, I believe in packing your time. And thanks to technology, so for example, if I'm out to meet someone and I'm a little bit early, yes, uh, here comes my mobile phone and I'm starting to clear some emails while I'm waiting for the event or the person, let's say. So it's about kind of like trying to pack your time and where possible, try to also um, squeeze things side by side so you can free up a block of time to do things too. Uh, but I know all that um, means that you need to be ready to do something um, while things may not necessarily come the way you were planned to, so you need to be ready to just go with the flow and not to be too fixated. Hey, I should have been here doing this, but why am I dragged here? And and I really believe each of us approach things differently. There's really no one prescribed way of what's the best way. And ultimately, it's just going by a manner or by, a, by an approach that each of us is most comfortable. You spoke about what if, um, being open-minded, spoke about developing a generalist personality. 
What is your mantra? Oh, you got me there. To be honest, I'm not sure if I've got a single mantra that I'll just say, "Look, that's how I live. That's how I live my life." With um, you know, obviously there are a lot of um, values that obviously are important. Like you know, I'm I'm you know going to work hard. You know, you have to. It's nothing without labor. But maybe I think bottom line, it is what it is. You know, by by a lot of people tell me that I'm not a very emotional person, including my wife. Maybe because I always believe that it is what it is. Something happened for a reason, regardless whether you know what is the reason, but it has happened. Right. So yes, I need to understand why it has happened, understand the context, but it has happened. The quicker we we accept that it has happened, the more reaction time we have to think what I'm going to do about it, given that it has happened. Right. I, I can't change things that has happened. I can only try to change or influence things that yet to happen, rather than spend time trying to mull over wow, you know, why this and that life is not fair, or fair or whatever. It is what it is, you know. Accept it, and we moved on, and think about what I can do about it. I think that's what also makes one very optimistic. You're not focusing on the negative. Yeah, I I don't know whether I'm optimistic. You know, you always get this question about whether glass is half full, half empty. I I would just say, I think I think I'm positive, positive minded. So meaning that you know. A glass. Where I don't care whether the glass is half full or half empty. All I know is that there's going to be space for another half glass of water. If I need more water, I top it up. Or if the half a glass of water is enough for what I need to consume, why bother whether it's half full or half empty? I just have enough water to go by. That's good enough for me. If not, I top it up. It is what it is. I really like the sound of that. All right, we're heading into our next segment. I was told that when you want to detach from work, you watch reality shows on Netflix. Is that true? Yes, I do. What we're going to do is um, we're going to make our own reality TV show today, and I'm going to give you the plot. You continue till you hear the sound of the bell, and then I take it from there, and the bell goes off, and you continue again. So it's between you and I. Okay, got it. Are you ready? Sure. Okay. Let's go. All right. Mike finds out that his wife Joanna is having an affair. Mike decides to expose this affair, so he follows Joanna when she tells him that she's going to the supermarket. Mike's intuition was right. Joanna meets a handsome man, rugged unlike Mike. But then, suddenly, suddenly, Mike saw that Joanna turned around. And behind that handsome man, here comes another lady, which is just as stunning as the other men. Mike looks at her and thinks, "Wait, she's my ex-wife. What is she doing there? She died last year." And then Mike realizes, whereas Mike listened to the conversations that his wife Joanna is having with the handsome man and a beautiful lady, that. That is not my ex-wife, but my ex-wife's twin sister. All right, and that's when Mike realizes now he knows what he needs to do, and he picks up the watermelon that's placed next to him. He charges towards Joanna, and then and then Mike told Joanna, "Look, what a wonderful watermelon I have here." 
Let's bring home and do a wonderful watermelon salad and drink tonight. <laughs> But wait, what's going to happen next? Does Joanna believe the story? Does Joanna take that watermelon? Will she? Won't she? Find out on the Free Flicks show with Jonathan Yap. Only Jonathan knows what happens next. To the watermelon. That's right. <laughs> All right, um, Jonathan. Uh, before we go. What's your advice to our listeners? Um, I, I really believe each of us um, is different, and I think we are all unique. The yardstick to whether you're successful actually lies in our individual hands. I, I know we are always influenced by what people say to say to be measurements of success. I would just say, look, disregard all that. Ultimately, you owe it to yourself to be happy. So define your own yardstick of what is success. What does success mean to you? And there's absolutely nothing wrong if your definition of success is to spend enough time with your loved ones, and therefore, as a result, you decide to basically take a more balanced work life. Sure, I think that's fine. But if your definition of success is to be able to do um, interesting things at work, then you need need to also understand means that sometimes you have to be ready to put in the hours and put in the effort to do that. And so, therefore, go back to your own definition of what is success. And sometimes maybe we may not spend enough time, especially early on, to define what we want and what does success mean to us. And as a result, we may be guided by wisdom of maybe our parents, wisdom of peers, um, conventional what people tell us. So I think that that is something I always tell people: go back to what you want in life, and that would be the yardstick. There will also be the lighthouse that will guide you towards the direction that you should take. As you set sail through life, so I will always tell people: go as hard as as hard as may be, force yourself to decide what you want in life. You don't have to go to the specifics, but at least know what is the general the general direction you want. That I think is so important. I think it's it's a very important uh, message for us, uh, especially the younger generation, and to understand and set right now in the. You know, while you're building your foundation, what is it that you want? And uh, defining success for us, I think a lot of us, especially right now, have a very different definition of success altogether. All right, um, Jonathan, thank you so 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 much for being on the show today. I had a lot of fun. And uh, before we let you go, I am also going to bring out the radio personality. And uh, this time on the Capital Land Cafe, it's not me closing the show. It's Jonathan Yap. Take it away, Jonathan. Sure. Before I do that, I must confess. While I almost indeed chose a career in in radio, it was meant to be in Chinese. Right. So therefore, and the, and the keyword is almost, which means I'm never trained. So Huda, I'll never be as good as you, which I know you are an internationally acclaimed radio personality. Before you join us, so people listening, do not judge me by Huda's standard. I'm just someone who could have. Develop a career, maybe a lousy career in radio. In any case, it didn't happen. But yes, I'm happy to do the closing. Building conversations over coffee. This is the Capital Land Cafe, and it has been me, Jonathan Yap, signing out now from the show with no other than Huda Khan. Wow. Why do you have to be good at everything? Um. Well. Capital and Cafe. Coffee. Capital and Cafe. Conversations. Capital and Cafe. And a whole lot of fun. Capital and Cafe.